Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. So well done. You've made it to episode two of uh, Impact Investing. And in the introduction episode, we we sort of said that we talk more about um, you know our our approach and 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 our philosophy, if you like, around investing, and and give a bit more context as to what we think good investing is, and um, you know how the lens in which we'll look look at markets and the economy, and 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 what we feel. So we mentioned it briefly last time, Tom, but maybe it's good to 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 just jump in on. A bit more on that and and what we think our principles are. Yeah. So these principles have, have come about from you know our time in the industry and, and and the four things that we think are key for anybody who wants to start investing or already is starting investing. Um, they're so key that the kind of what we built the Circa Five Thousand app on and and originally Matt rolled them out into a document which is called Investing Decoded which is on the website, it's in the app. Um, we used to run investment decoded events, our offices prior to COVID. And it, they still, these four principles form the basis of every single piece of content that we've kind of put out, everything we talk about to our customers. And if there's only four things you need to know about investing, we think these are the four. Um, and so the first one is thinking long-term, probably the most important one right now, given where we are in financial markets. Um, and I think what we've seen over the past few years, the rise of the trading product, the rise of short-term thinking, where in reality, the best investors are the ones with the longest time horizon. And the idea, and I think you wrote it down in the original doc, doc Matt, it was get rich slowly. It's kind of the yeah. opposite of what you know the, the world's become in the past two years specifically. But having a time frame of 10, 15, 20 years is one of the most surefire ways that you're going to end up getting a positive outcome from your investing. And so long-termism is probably the most important thing to remember when you start your investing journey above all else. If you look at kind of how that breaks down a little bit, um, it's the idea of compounding effectively. So the reason why long-termism is so important is because you have the effects of time and returns on your money. And so when we used to present this, we used to break it out into charts. But if you can drag that out over a long time horizon, a 5% return each year, which is way below what you'd expect normally in the stock market over a, over a market cycle, that over 10, 15, 20 years does a massive amount to your money um, versus just it keeping in cash or just it in savings because inflation obviously eats into your cash. That's a massive important factor, which we'll come back to in a second. But long-termism, compounding your interest that you earn from your returns on your investments, do that over time and you've massively increased your likelihood of having a positive outcome when you start investing. Yeah, I think I think the problem with long-term investing is it's, it's, it's undoubtedly true that the longer you're in the market, so, you know, in a diversified way, the more likely you are to make money. The mm. trouble is, is it doesn't resonate, or people don't like it because it's boring. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not sort of, you know, it's, it doesn't give you any sort of adrenaline rush. It doesn't sort of, um, you can't really get excited about it to just say, well, squirrel something away and, and leave it forever. Um, so I think that's why why people always get sort of distracted by something shiny and 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 uh, you know think that the thing that sounds too good to be true is mm. is actually true when it when it it's not and you know in every other aspect of life we know mm. that the things that sound too good to 
be true are. And yet, especially recently, especially since, you know, 2020, the, the rise of the, the retail investor or the retail trader, people just somehow have, have put that to one side and just think that for them it's different or for some, for, or, or this is different. When in any other aspect of life, we wouldn't apply the too good to be true is, is, yeah. is what people genuinely believe. Yeah, and generally in other aspects of life, you kind of look at what the experts are doing and try and emulate them, as in the the the, 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 the long-term investing experts, like, for example, Warren Buffett, obviously, and he's an they're out there. But he has the longest time horizon and, and, and therefore some of the best returns. But it seems like over the past two years, that's just been completely thrown out the window. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. But we're not doing that. We're doing something entirely different. And for us, investing means long-termism. Yeah. I think the problem that's happened over the past two years is the word investing has been lobbed onto short-term gambling products. And so people who are new to this have become confused as to what proper investing is. Yeah. They think it's that. They think it's punting on a random crypto for a few days in the hope it'll go up yeah. 3x or they'll lose all the money. They think that what that's what investing is, but it's not. That's gambling. And all the people that we've worked with in the industry and all the big names that you can throw out there, like Warren Buffett, do it in an entirely different way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it comes down to this idea of like choice and, and access and, and, and a word that I don't particularly like, but democratizing, you know, investing. And, and what people confuse that is, is if I'm going to start investing, then I need the complete choice and freedom to be able to go and pick any single possible share or asset or crypto or whatever. And that's the only way that I can be truly, the world of investment can be truly opened up to me as an individual, mm. which is, which is not true. And and actually democratizing investing should be more about helping more people properly start to, to put their savings into investments that are good for them mm. long term and not just about taking a commission or a, or a, a foreign exchange spread or something like that, you know, which is what, what a lot of the uh, so-called democratizing platforms how they make their money. Yeah, that, that, that word democratizing has been obviously been used to death, but it's been ruined by some of these short-term you know, trading and brokerage platforms because they've opened up a world that really should only be opened up to certain forms of professionals sometimes. Not every single thing in the world should be democratized, but what they should do is what you've just said is how do we democratize maximizing investment um, outcomes for, for, for retail investors? That's not really been democratized. That's what we're trying to do. And there's some others trying to do it. But all the headlines and all the froth in the market has gone to the negative form of democratization, getting people to trade single line stocks, intraday, derivatives, etc. That's stuff that really should have some guardrails around it. And it hasn't. And that's resulted in that key principle of long-termism being almost ignored for the past yeah. 10 years, but it is the number one thing. So what's number two? Number two, uh, in no particular order, but there is an order, <laughs> not necessarily of importance, uh, is uh, to invest regularly. So this is something we go on about all the time because we've seen it used to such positive effects over our past you know, 10, 12 years in the industry, which is a, a jargon concept called dollar or pound cost averaging, the idea of setting um, a monthly amount that you're going to invest and invest in it 
on the same day, the same amount over time and doing that continually over the long term to tie in with principle one. But it does a few key things that it makes investing, you know, more an autopilot. It takes the emotion out of what you're doing. So you're not trying to time which point in the month should I be buying or selling? Well, you're never selling. You're a net buyer of stocks, remember. That's a key, that's a key thing to remember. But you are continually feeding into the market. And the, the, obviously, the term is averaging in. You're effectively averaging in your price into the market. So when the market is lower, you're buying more on that day. When the market is higher, you're buying less on that day. And the idea is that over time, you've averaged in at a good level. And it's a great investing behavior, especially for people that are that I'm new to this. Having said that, I still do it every single month um, when I've been investing for, for 12 years and, and a lot of our customers who are experienced do too. And so it's a great investing behavior because if you think about it from, from the lens of a, of a, of a new investor, um, if you've got a thousand pounds to invest and you put all of it in the market on day one and then it drops 20%, then you're feeling like that's a, that's been a terrible decision. And you see a lot of the time people who do that remove their money and never come back. Whereas if you phase that money in, say £200 a month or £100 a month, the intraday or month-to-month impact of the stock market on that on that amount of overall balance is more muted. So you can have a smoother journey effectively whilst you're building your balance up over time. So psychologically, that can have a really positive impact on people who are relatively new to investing. Yeah, and it just takes the willpower out of it. You know, why, why do people set their mortgage or their rent to come out of the bank automatically? Why do people set their... You know, electricity bill or, or or their gym membership to come out of the out automatically because you don't have the it's not there's not a willpower question in it then you don't your your wages don't land in your bank and you say shall I pay my rent this month or not you you do it because then it's it's there's always something more interesting to spend the money on but you take the willpower out of it and if you do that with investing and you set it and forget it, like you do these other payments, then over time you just accumulate a balance. Um, and as, as Tom was saying, you sort of, you, there's, a, there's a technical magic to it as well, which is you average in your pricing. So you're less immune to, to big swings in, in the markets and you're, you're, less, you're less immune to, sorry, you're, 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 you're more immune to big swings in the markets and you're more immune to, to those volatile times where you might start to get nervous it's sort of it's a has a dampening effect but i think i think the main one is that you just you just uh take the willpower out you, yeah. just, you just surprise yourself by being able to actually afford to to contribute to your long-term savings and investment accounts by just putting it bundling it into those bill payments that that happen automatically yeah and you combine those two together you've kind of you've, you've averaged in over a long period of time um and at the end of it you, 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 the chances are, if you've done that for 10, 15, 20 years, you're sitting on a really great amount of money that's earned a really great interest rate or return rate effectively from the stock market. Um, and together, they're exceptionally powerful. And that's yeah. why we built the app to guide people to invest regularly and set up a monthly top up, either a monthly top up or roundups, ideally both, yeah. where you round up your spare change. People do an extra 20 quid a week or 15, 20 quid a week on that as an additional, over time that makes a massive difference to, to the outcome that you have at the end of it. So I think it's important on those two, long-term and regular, is that making sure that you're setting that amount so that it's an amount that feels slightly ambitious, but it's also not going to leave you in, in financial mm-hmm. trouble because you what you want to do is you want to be able to stick to it. 
Yeah. There's no point saying, well, I'm going to save £2,000 a month or £1,000 a month. And you start off and then, you know, the first of the month, that money goes into your account. And by the 16th of the month, you, you know, you, you, you need to withdraw it again because yeah. that's not that's yeah. not regular long term investing. Oh. What you need to do is is sort of set a, a sensible, realistic amount that you know you can stick to. Yeah. Um, and. And and then you know you have the option to dial it up over over time. You can amend that amount or even dial it down. But I think having some discipline and consistency about sticking to that habit every month is one of the best things that you can do. And as I say, I think you, you know especially if you if you have something like a roundup feature turned on, is you end up surprising yourself. Yeah. Number three. I've already forgotten it. Bronze medal. Um, <laughs> diversification. Uh, so. To reiterate a couple of points, you can see that we're passionate about uh, not doing these things, but don't pick stocks. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and spread your money across um, underlying companies on an individual basis, but also sectors, also geographies. Don't overexpose yourself to one company, one specific country, one specific area of the market with your money at any one time. Yeah, I think that, I think, you know, the, that, if, if I was sat there as a, as a first-time investor, I'd now be thinking, well, okay, this sounds incredibly complicated and yeah. how much should I allocate to each country and how do I know which, you know, and it start. this is where it's easy to go, well, I know the name of that company, I'll just buy yeah. shares in that because that feels better. But actually, what we use is, is something called ETFs, which is exchange-traded funds, and they're effectively baskets of, of stocks. And we just buy the baskets. So, um, you know, what, what you get when you buy, you know, one of the, the thematic ETFs in, in, through our app, for example, is that you end up with a, a basket of, say, sometimes 50, 80, 100 different companies um, all around the same theme, i.e. clean energy or something like that. Um, but they're globally diversified as well. Mm -hmm. So you are, you're naturally building in some geographic spread. Mm -hmm. You're naturally building in some currents, some different exposures to different currencies, and 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 um, and you're getting you're diversifying your investment across eighty, a hundred, however many companies it might be. Yeah. Um, and then if you buy multiple of those themes, you're also then diversifying across different sectors. So if you buy clean energy, if you buy a healthcare ETF, if you buy a clean water ETF, et cetera, you start to build up exposures of different companies in different geographies. And effectively, what you're then investing in is just the progress of all of these different yeah. areas. Yeah. And it just reduces the impact that any one company or sector can have on your on your overall portfolio. And, and people, people are feeling that right now. I mean, you know, you, you see that, you know, especially sort of the the, some of the big tech stocks and, mm. and some of the the, the, the non profitable tech stocks, particularly, you know, they've gone down by a lot of them by over fifty percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and household names like Netflix and and, and things like that. So, you know, the, if you'd put all of your investments into Netflix because you love their shows and you're a subscriber and and all the rest of it, then you know you you sell a big big loss right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think the I think the the way to avoid that generally is just to put the bulk, if not, you know, all yeah. of the money that you're planning on investing into as much of a diverse portfolio as you as you possibly can. Yeah, I remember when I was, when I used to be, when we were still working at our previous company, someone said to me that the best investors at that company were only right 51% of the time, and it was like around at that moment 
I was like, well, how the hell do I think I'm going to be right with my own personal money when it's not my full-time job? I don't have all the data in the world. I don't have all the research in the world. I'm not working at a company with loads of world-class industry experts feeding data into me. And they're only right just over half the time. Yeah. And that's why most people who stock pick on brokerage platforms um, tend to lose about 70, 80% of the 70 to 80 percent of the people who use those platforms never make any money it's probably higher than that right now because yeah. of what's happened to the market and because everybody in the past two years has piled into these one to five main names everybody's in these five names they've all gone down massively and so this is unfortunately when we were saying this during covid or prior to covid it was just the most unfashionable message to be getting out there because everyone was like all these companies are going up it's amazing it's going to be like this forever unfortunately it's never like that forever and if people had had approached it in a diversified way in a more sensible way they'd have been able to limit the damage that's happened to their own personal wealth during that time and that's why we think it's so important to get this kind of message out there especially on diversification especially on not picking stocks and piling all your money into one or two companies yeah as i say you know we've made that mistake yeah you know we're talking both from theory point of view and and a practical point of view um you know we both have the bulk of our um investable wealth if you like if we have any investable wealth the bulk of our savings in in circa um and you know um, and we do that because we believe that that is the best place for long term you know for our long term our long term savings if you like but you know we've both we've both dabbled in in picking stocks as well wholly unsuccessfully <laughs> anytime we've done it in fact it's just worked out Terribly. So, you know, we should, you know, we're not just sort of, uh, you know, we've got the theory. We're the people who have have worked in the industry for, you know, over 10 years and still, you know, you can make the mistakes and still when you you sit in a a down market, you you come back to the core principles that that are tried and tested. Um, And I think the other thing is that if you're picking stocks and you're picking, you know, more speculative assets like crypto and those type of things is there's no real uh, there's no real sort of fundamental mm. um, rationale for why the price should go up other than you think that somebody else might buy it at a higher price than you've paid for it yeah um, and and basically you're hoping that will happen but the fourth principle You'll see that what, very neatly. What an amazing segue. Yeah. I didn't even see it coming myself. The fourth principle that we uh, that we advocate for and believe in is is impact. And Tom, maybe you can link more eloquently than me as to why that is the case. No, I think it was I think it was it was more eloquent than anything you ever said. Um, well, it's about it's about using your investments to obviously you know build a better future for yourself, but for uh, you know the planet as people too which can be done in a way to generate fantastic returns for yourself over the long term as well as the impact that you want to achieve because if you think about it we've come to this this is the essence of the podcast the essence of the company and it's the essence of what we realized during our careers because capital markets should be um getting money to flow into businesses that are useful for the world useful for our collective long-term future and companies that are useful that are producing stuff that's 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 good that's helping us as a as a people and provide for our future in a way that's better than what's going on today they should be rewarded with great returns and i think the the returns argument that the best i've ever heard it put for this form of investing is what we're doing is 
investing in companies who are producing products and services, what they sell, um, that are tackling huge structural shifts in society underpinned by some positive social or environmental outcome. The companies that do it well and use technology to scale those solutions have the chance for outsized market returns. And that's how it's different to some of the other forms of investing, which we may talk about in future episodes. We haven't fully discussed that yet, but I'm sure we will. Like environmental social governance investing or social responsible investing, it's completely distinct from those two forms of investing because there is a returns argument. That's the one I just laid out. And it's a clearly positive starting position. We're trying to identify businesses they were selling something that's directly linked to solving a major issue. And if they do it well, and if they scale and they solve that problem, they can earn outsized returns. And so that's the essence of, of kind of where we got to with our careers. And that's why we left the places that we were at to start this business. And that's why we started this podcast as well. And I think as well, if, if you know, if you go back to the, the first principle long term, you know, and what it means to actually be an investor mm. in shares, stocks and shares, if you you're be becoming a part owner in a company, so you're you and if you're if you're doing that and setting out with a long term time horizon in mind, what types of companies do you want to own for the long term? Do you want to own, uh, you know, more speculative meme stocks for the last, for the next twenty years that have no you know their valuations have been run up because of a crowd effect rather than an underlying business case. Do you want to be invested in um, the, the high polluting companies and the, and the companies that are that are sort of dest- you know destroying the planet and, and contribute to climate change, or do you want to be aligning yourself with companies that are innovating, mm. that are creating uh, a better future, and that are that are helping tackling helping to tackle some of the biggest problems we face as a species yeah. uh, on this planet and and are doing that in a way that they've managed to make into a viable business. Yeah. Um, you know, as a long-term investor, I think you should be thinking both about what the future world you want to live in looks like, but also what what are the what are the what type of investments are going to perform well over that yeah. time horizon that you have. Yeah. A lot of people that I know that that work in the industry still view, view this view what we do as just long-term thematic investing. Yeah, but if you look at it through that lens, you'll always come back to impact because those are the long-term structural shifts in society yeah. that need products and services to be built to, to address them. It's long-term thematic investing with a positive spin, basically. Yeah. And that's what it is. That's the returns argument. And that's why it's important for us, and to, to link back to how you segued into this, what we've seen over the past two years is a, a, an increasing detachment from economic reality on the ground of what these investments are doing. Sometimes there's, there's no economic reality, i.e., random crypto there's, there's nothing happening in the real world you know a complete detachment between that and where people are putting the money and if you link the two back together you'll end up investing in this way and you'll end up thinking more long term and then through investing regularly in diversification you'll you'll have developed a strategy for yourself which will stand stand you in good stead over the long term in terms of achieving a proper financial outcome for yourself and for your family so that sounds like a good place to to leave this episode, shall we just recap the four yeah. principles again? So the four principles are thinking long-term, investing regularly, making sure that you're diversified, and we are all about, number four, impact investing. So 
that was we wanted to just give a, a sort of a, a more detail of of what we said in the intro, which was about uh, you know we were coming this coming at this podcast from a certain angle, and this 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 has hopefully summarised that for you. Um, as we said last time, you know we've just started this semi spontaneously today, um, <laughs> and um, you know we, we would love to hear your thoughts of whether we should stop doing this <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Um, you've probably not got to the end of the episode if you think like that. Um, but um, you, know, you know what we should cover in future future episodes. Whether you've got questions based on what we've said today, or just the general environment we're in, or how we see the world playing out, we're happy to sort of try and address as many of them as we can. Um, we don't necessarily have all the answers then. <laughs> no, but we'll try our best. Um, great. Until next time, Matthew. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.